How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This is a show about wrestling, but this is going to be one of our short segments. And uh, actually, Leonard, I thought of a title for this. We could call this uh, segment surgery. You mull that one over as we're uh, as we're discussing. So basically, this is (laughs) I can tell you're in love with it. But basically what it is, is we're going to take a segment, not necessarily a match. We do have random match reviews. We're going to take a segment, whether it be a promo or a skit or what have you, and kind of break it down and discuss it. And uh, that's what we're going to do today, hence the title, Segment Surgery. And uh, the segment we're going to start with is the segment from this past Friday's WWE SmackDown, October 28th, featuring The Bloodline. So basically, uh, Sami Zayn and... uh, I think Jay, Jay Uso, like Jay Uso. After all these years, nobody knows the difference between Jimmy and Jay. I think that includes Naomi. <laughs> well, anyway, won't, we won't go there. Um, Sammy and Jay have been having issues. Uh, the match that had taken place just before this segment didn't go the way they wanted it to. So, hence the. Uh, they have some issues. They're arguing in the ring. And soon enough, you hear Roman Reigns and his music hit. Um, at, at a really opportune time, uh, the crowd was very much into it. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to go over this particular segment. Um, so this segment had a good bit of stuff in it. It had comedy and it had, you know, some serious stuff in it. So basically, you have... Jay and Sammy continuing to argue. Roman Reigns is telling them to hash it out themselves. Jay says he, you know, at one point Jay says he doesn't care what the tribal chief says. And Leonard, one of the things I wanted to go over with you is the reaction of the crowd when that line happens. Like, say what you will about Roman Reigns and his title reign, but the crowd is, that crowd in particular is buying into it. Like, I mean, well, I'm not saying that about it. I think the title reign has been fantastic, and I think everything that he's done as the tribal chief with the bloodline stuff has been has been good. And I think I that crowd response uh, shows that. And I think he sold it very well, the look on his face. I think everyone around him sold it well with the look on their faces after, uh, you know, Jay said that. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, that that right there proves that this is getting over to the crowd. Right, and that, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Now, like, what I meant was about his title reign is it can be looked at as somewhat divisive in that, you know, he they don't have a lot of opponents for him right now, and he doesn't work as many dates as he used to, and, you know, it's been very long, and, you know, obviously that started when Vince was in charge, and now Triple H is in charge. Um, so how were they making it go on long for a good reason or no reason? The fact of the matter is it is over, and Reigns is – doing a great job with this particular faction um but one of the reasons one of the other reasons why i wanted to go over this particular segment is because triple h needs to pay attention to what's happening with Sami Zayn. now some people might not think he's a viable contender for the title whether or not you believe that the most over guy in the company right now is Sami Zayn, to the point where the rumor that I've heard is that the plans for 
I guess there was plans involving Sammy and Kevin Owens have been put on hold because this stuff with Sammy and the bloodline has become so popular that they have to kind of run with it. It was supposed to be just a short comedic few months and they were going to move on. I mean, like I, you, they always say the cream rises to the top, right? Well, Sammy and well, Randy Savage used to say that. Yes. Right. Sammy, the last year's WrestleMania took a match that many people would have probably thought beforehand would have been crap and made it gold. And here he is in the bloodline with all these other guys. And he is really making it a part of the WWE programming that you want to watch. In my opinion, I, I know they're going for the Jay Sammy feud, but in my opinion, they need to go with the Sammy Roman Reigns feud. That's I, I don't see any other contender nearly as strong with the fans as Sammy is right now. Um, so I don't know if that's what is changing behind the scenes or not, but to me, this segment was a perfect example of, you know, hey, the fans are telling you, they're showing you what they like. They need to run with it somehow. I'm not saying to give the title to Sammy necessarily, but run with this momentum. Leonard, do you agree or disagree? Well, I think Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns could definitely put on a really good match with each other. Um, I, I, I think they're both at the point in their careers where they can pretty much work with anybody. I think they've shown that over the past few years. Uh, so I agree with you that, you know, I would maybe use the Jay-Sammy match to maybe set up Sammy versus Roman, perhaps at the Royal Rumble. Um but but I'm I've been talking about the promo overall. I'm actually in the minority that I didn't care for it. Which part of the promo are we talking about? The the these the, the Sami Zayn is is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Jay delivered a great fiery intense promo, and I know he's supposed to be the heel here, but he was totally I think in the right in what he was saying, and Mick Foley. You know, in his book, which I believe he attributed to Terry Funk, said that, you know, a heel has to believe he's in the right. And Jay... Jay believes it. Absolutely. Jay believes he's in the right. Jay gave great reasons for why he's in the right. He's very protective of his family. That was great. That made me want to see Jay versus Sammy. And that made me want... That's what makes this interesting to me, because this has been going on for so long now. Mm -hmm. And you have Sammy wearing the honorary Oost shirt and all that stuff that at the point where I would assume he inevitably, you know, sticks the knife in the back, it's going to get a huge reaction. Um, you know, and I like the comedic element that he adds to it. Like, you know, the whole, he's not acting very oozy. Like to me, it, it's gold. It has a mixture of everything in pro wrestling. And well, the I, problem I, with I, that was like, the problem with that with me was you have this great, serious, intense promo. And then Sammy completely undercuts it. Well, with I, I would I would say add to it, but to me, I I would say undercut it. Um, I know that 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 he is supposed to be humorous in his role with them, but it, it felt very mismatched and awkward to me when you go from A to B with them, and the fact that he got Jay to break up, and you can blame Jay for that. They all were. They were all they were all breaking up. Now Roman, I think, played it off very well. I think I think he played it off uh, with, with with how he came back and how he incorporated the Usi line. I think he did fine. But for 
Jay Uso to say, this son of a bitch needs to die, and then he laughs at him. And he makes him laugh. Not that he's laughing at Sammy, but Sammy makes him laugh. I think that really undercut the emotion of the promo for me. I look at it as like almost like, you know, you're thinking about an SNL skit. Like if they were doing it all the time, I would agree with you, you know, but in a case like this, I, I enjoyed the fact that he kind of made them break a little bit. And, you know, Sammy did start out in a serious way by saying, look, I don't know what your problem is with me. Yes, that part was good. I liked that part. <laughs> I think I, I wonder I knew he like I think I've read that he was he occasionally does try to make them break. I, I don't know if he expected that to get as over instantly as it did with only not only the crowd and the people in the ring. But uh, yeah, I mean, I made a note. Uh, does Sammy Zayn think he's Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> because it felt very I felt very on purpose to me. So I know I'm in the minority. I've read that people online love this promo. I've seen the memes, you know, Usi's the new watchword. But I would have very much have preferred, I think, a serious all the way through promo here, or even if, and I know this is being more on Jay than Sammy, if Jay would have stayed serious and shouted back to him, you know, you're not taking this seriously, you're goof, you're making fun of me and my family, call me Usi and would have decked him. I think that would have been fantastic. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that would have been an interesting twist to the segment, certainly. Um, although you were talking about comparing Sammy to Jimmy Fallon. See, Jimmy would always break a lot in skits. And in this particular, like, Sammy was very, like, never. I guess you're right. It would be the reverse. So I, I guess um, he would be, what, the Horatio Sands? And Jay would be the Jimmy Fallon? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. And you know what? What you really would have been annoyed by, I think there was a backstage interview with Sammy and Jay and Jimmy. And I think Paul Heyman was in it as well. Um, where they were talking, like they're asking, like the interviewer was asking how they're all doing after that segment, and Sammy talked about going to the Waffle House, <laughs> and apparently Jay instantly like popped up and started smiling because he was excited to go to the Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> like so, anyway, my my whole point in this, you know, despite Leonard and I differing, was to highlight the fact that Sammy is becoming a bigger star than I think that they intended him to be. And I think they need to run with that. Yeah. And I certainly agree with that. And I, and I think that that is fine to capitalize on what he's giving you. Just looking at this promo in a vacuum, I didn't like how everyone broke. And I guess that's on them for breaking, but I do think as you've mentioned, I've read this, Sammy tries to do that to them on purpose. So, so I think the tone here is just, for me, the tone's off. All right. Well, let us know what you thought of this segment. Uh, check out our full-length episodes, our other videos at, in our channel. Um, for Leonard, my name is Chad, and we will see you next time. How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me, as usual, is Leonard. And this is segment surgery, where we take a segment, not necessarily a match, although a match is involved here, uh, but we take a segment, a promo, something that's not just a match and we go over it and discuss it and debate it if necessary so this week leonard is choosing our segment to analyze so leonard what do we have so when thinking of a segment for our new segment surgery segment say that five times fast
<laughs> I wanted to go with something that was fairly famous, but that I hadn't seen, and I thought maybe Chad hadn't seen. And one of the first things I thought of was Shane Douglas winning and then throwing down the NWA World Heavyweight title belt, uh, which happened in the uh, summer of 1994. And this was something that, of course, I knew about. I heard about it. I'd seen clips and still images. But as we both mentioned in the past, we didn't watch a lot of original ECW, especially at this time, because where we were at, it wasn't available. It wasn't on the air or it, where it was available it was usually on very late or at odd times. And being 1994, the Internet didn't exist. You couldn't pop on YouTube the next day and watch this clip that someone had posted or, or what have you. So to give some setup here before we get into the actual you know, bit in September 1993, the National Wrestling Alliance and World Championship Wrestling parted ways. And not to get deep into it, but uh, there was uh, some animosity between them. There was a court battle over the belt because the NWA owned the tight the, the the name, but WCW owned the physical title belt. And eventually, things got cleared up, and the NWA regrouped and was going to hold a tournament to declare a new champion. Now, the territory system was pretty much dead, but they still had some affiliated promotions, the biggest of which was what was known at the time as Eastern Championship Wrestling. So uh, the promoter owner, Todd Gordon, and the booker, Paul Heyman, who I believe was still going as Paul E. Dangerously at the time, said, you know, we'll take the tournament. You know, they had the, some, you know, television uh, and such, and it was decided that their champion, uh, Shane Douglas, was going to win the belt. Now, supposedly from some some elements I've read that Dennis Corluzzo of the NWA board didn't like Gordon, didn't like Heyman, didn't like Douglas as the pick. And that led to some animosity and supposedly led to Gordon and Heyman and Douglas coming up with what happened, which is what we'll get into. So first of all, I found uh, on YouTube a 22 minute, I believe it's about 22 minutes long video that includes the match, the promo, and some aftermath of it. So it's the whole deal what's going on. And the match itself is about 13 minutes. So this is from August 27th, 1994 at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's the finals of a tournament. Shane Douglas versus Too Cold Scorpio. And uh, the the match, especially if it starts out, is pretty standard. Basic yeah. grappling bout between the two at the start. Uh, it picks up a little bit in the second half. Uh, Scorpio goes up top at one point. They go outside to one point. Uh, Douglas winds up winning with a belly-to-belly suplex. Um, I wonder if they went specifically kind of old school and traditional because it was for the NBA World Heavyweight title, and if that was out of reverence or out of a, out of a mocking thing. I mean, technically, I think it's a, it's a good match. I would give it about three stars, but there's not a lot of chemistry or story being told. And, I would say it's a little bit of both of what you said there. Yeah, so go ahead, your thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I was just going to add about the match. I think it's a little bit mocking, but also a little bit like, you know, we're just going to, this is how we're going to play things right now. Uh, Because if you listen to the commentary, and I I don't know if Joey Styles knew it was going to happen, maybe he did, but uh, he's building up the legacy of the NWA title. And, you know, they're resurrecting it and all the names that have held the belt. And, like, he's building it up pretty consistently throughout this match. And... 
you know, knowing what happens, it makes that commentary all the more interesting. And then you watch the match. And like you said, the first half of it is very standard wrestling. And then it gets into more of uh, two cold Scorpios, uh, high flying stuff. They do some stuff on the outside. Uh, the match is fine. I would, I would agree with you, maybe three, three and a quarter stars overall. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were maybe steered in a certain direction of how to approach this match. Yeah, that may be a good word, steered. Uh, so, anyway, after the match, uh, Two Cold Scorpio gets the microphone, puts Douglas over for winning, so he's going to come after him for the belt. Very standard there, but mutual respect between the two, you can see that. So then Douglas puts Scorpio over, and then he talks about how this day has been a long time coming and how he knows his father is looking down from above, and he goes on to name a bunch of former world champions, Luthez, Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk, Terry Funk, Buddy Rogers, Harley Race, Barry Windham, Ric Flair, which a name he chokes on because he and Flair famously did not get along. Right. And like someone throws out Kerry Von Eric, and then he says Kerry Von Eric, and Rick Steamboat, and Dusty Rhodes, and kind of rambles for a bit on all these names. And then he says they can all kiss his ass, and he throws the belt down in the ring. And that's your money moment right there when he does that. And Douglas says he's not a man that accepts a torch handed down to him from an organization that died seven years ago. That Douglas is a man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. He then gets the ECW title belt, which he had at the time, and declares himself the new ECW World Heavyweight Champion. So calling the promotional title a world title. They've set out to change the world of professional wrestling and so let the new era begin, the era of the franchise and the era of ECW. Big ECW chant from the faithful here. Scorpio then comes back in and seems to be saying something, but we can't hear him. I think they cut the microphone off and everyone's loud. But he does shake Douglas's hand, so it seems to be like he's cool with what Douglas did here. So your thoughts on the segment, on the promo after the match? So I've seen clips of this before, basically just the, uh, you know, the short clip of him throwing the title down, but yeah. I had certainly never seen the match nor the promo in full. Um, so it was cool to watch this. And the fact of the matter is this was a very big, bold statement from Heyman and Gordon. And this was the beginning of extreme championship wrestling. And they were declaring that they were going to go in their own direction and they also said what should have been said years before this, which is that the NWA was dead. And to, just to further, you know, confirm that for anybody who doesn't know or listen to podcasts or watch documentaries, not that I'm stating something that has been stated many times before, but like going back to world-class championship wrestling, when they broke from the NWA and decided, this was in the late 80s, when they decided we don't need the NWA anymore, we're just going to do what we want because we have a lot of viewers, you know, in the Texas area. And, you know, then flash forward to, you know, mid nineties and finally you have somebody doing it. And I think it's, it's really very riveting to see. And I think Shane Douglas is an interesting person to have been a part of this moment because he's such a divisive figure in pro wrestling like even especially by standards of his peers some of some people talk highly of them some people don't like him at all um but like him or not he's a part of this moment which you know i think you know was it was a good move it was showing that Heyman and gordon were going to be their own thing and that the standards of the past were passe and nobody needed the nwa anymore um 
And it took the NWA a long time to try and build themselves back up even a little bit and maybe capture some of that reputation again. And now obviously Billy Corgan owns it and is trying to make something of it, but, but this was really great. Um, you know, I, I thought it was fun to watch. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, very versed on all things ECW, but I thought this was really cool to see the birth of what that organization will become. And, you know, the, uh, the public enemy there at the end, spray painting the sign, uh, which was pretty neat too. So, yeah. So, yeah. So after that, then this is obviously from ECW TV, we get Dennis Corluzzo, um, saying what happened was a disgrace and that Douglas is still the NWA champion, according to, to him, but he's going to go to the board and not only have them strip him of the belt, but of the ECW belt as well, both titles. And then you get Todd Gordon saying that Corluzzo can't tell him what to do and he's dissolving Eastern Championship Wrestling, leaving the NWA, and that Extreme Championship Wrestling is now what they're calling it and the place that recognizes Douglas as the champion and anybody can come and face Douglas. And then we get the public enemy uh, bit that you noted where they spray paint Eastern out on banner and they write extreme in. Right. So yeah, literally and figuratively, this is where ECW, I think was born extreme championship wrestling, because not just in name, but attitude and basic makeup. And they were kind of doing some things with hardcore wrestling, different things before this, but, but this is where they really kind of took a step forward. I feel, uh, and it should be mentioned that the NWA regrouped again, and then I believe it was in October or November, they wound up having another tournament through Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was right. the world, and Chris Candido won the belt. And this was really at a low point for the uh, – Dan Severn would get it. He would have it on WWE television for a while. Um, they were affiliated with TNA for a few years, but then they dissolved. And right. then you had this idea where Rob Conway had the belt, and – uh, a bunch, bunch of other people before it kind of started to come back a little bit with Billy Corgan. Now, at the time of this recording, Tyrus, a.k.a. Funkasaurus, Brodus Clay, is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And a lot of people are, are poo-pooing on that. And the NWA had had a falling out with Nick Aldis, who I felt had really done a lot to bring back some respectability and some credibility to that title. So, but, yeah, I think you're right. NWA probably had died prior to that but this was the this was the nail in the coffin i yeah. think this was where the nwa really went from being still having sort of tradition and a connotation to it to being passe and just not a factor in the world of professional wrestling yeah i mean you look at some of these smaller promotions today you know when they affiliated with the nwa it's almost like they were saying you know okay we're going to use the name for as long as it suits us, but then they realize quickly, well, we really need them, you know? So, yeah. You know, and then they just kind of part ways, uh, especially look at TNA. Um, you know, Jeff Jarrett talks a lot about that on his podcast. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like this was, this was a very good segment and, you know, very briefly on the uh, Tyra situation. I, I don't, I haven't watched his title victory or anything. And I know Nick Aldis apparently is alluding to, you know, maybe wanting to stay a free agent for a while. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, if he goes to either of the major companies. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the Royal Rumble. See, I would... I worry... Actually, you know what? I think the same worry 
could be could be applied to both major companies right now. And that worry is that if he goes to one of those places, he might just be another face. Um, I would say that I feel that's more of a danger for, for him in WWE than I do in AEW. Well, AEW, I think, seems to have a glut of a lot of people. And I think a lot of people get lost in the shuffle there. Where with WWE now, with Triple H, I think that there's more of an opportunity for the cream to rise. And I look at what AJ Styles did. You know, a lot of people were surprised when AJ Styles made his Rumble debut. And, you know, he. I, th- I think if all this goes, I think it would be similar to an AJ Styles situation. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, wherever he lands, I, I'm, I'll be happy to see it. I, you know, I would like to see with as many high-flying luchador guys in AEW, like there's a lot of variety there. Personally, being a fan of AEW and both companies, but I would like to see Nick Aldis and his old-school style there because I think that company needs some old-school style. Um, I mean, their champion has more of an old-school style right now, MJF. So anyway... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, Rumble debuts are a big thing, so he's primed to make a debut there if that's what he wants to do. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think of this segment, and uh, if you agree or disagree with our thoughts, um, let us know. We'd be happy to hear from you. We have other videos, stupid questions, random match reviews, and our full-length episodes. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And for Leonard, my name is Chad, and we will see you next time. How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. And this is another edition of our segment surgery series, which involves us taking a segment of a show, not necessarily a match, but something that involves a promo or talking of some sort. And we review said segment and share our thoughts here. And this particular segment is from September 21st, 2007. Leonard, why don't you tell everybody what segment we are going to be looking at? Sure, this was suggested to us by good friend of the show, Ronnie. It is the Teddy Long and Crystal Marshall wedding from SmackDown of the date that Chad said. And we did talk about this briefly in our episode about wrestling weddings, but we're going to get a little more detailed into uh, the segment uh, itself this, this week. Um, you can find the episode on the network and you can find the wedding in three parts on YouTube. It's about 20 minutes all together. Uh, commentary here is Michael Cole and JBL and we are in Atlanta, Georgia, which comes up a few different times within the wedding. So, uh, we start out with all the guests coming out and Reverend Bruce Bruce, who is said to be a good friend of Teddy Long. If you don't know him, he's a stand-up comedian and actor. Um, did various things on BET. Interestingly, Bruce's real last name is Church, and he's playing a reverend. So I don't know if he's an actual reverend. I didn't find that out. Um, but Bruce is, is from Atlanta, and Teddy Long has been living in Atlanta. He's originally from Alabama. But of course, being with WCW, he moved to Atlanta, has lived in Atlanta for a long time. And they say that he and Bruce are friends. That's why he's doing this. Um, then everyone comes out who are sitting in chairs in front of the ring. My favorite part of the crowd shots is Jim Duggan has a black tie on his two by four. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter has a sparkly headband on and IRS is there for no reason. Right. Yeah. It's just, of course, Mike Rotundo was working as an agent for them at the time. And I guess they're like, you can't just go out there as Mike Rotundo. You have to, you have to be IRS. You know? Yeah. The randomness of the crowd is 
<laughs> yes, like there's the people who who were on the show at the time you would expect, and then oddballs like Slaughter and uh, and uh, Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe come out as well. Uh, so after everyone is seated, Hornswoggle comes out from underneath the ring with a chair and a phone book to sit on. And this is during the storyline where Hornswoggle is supposed to be Vince McMahon's illegitimate son. And he winds up saying next to Vince and coach. So Long enters followed by his son, Antoine, his real life son, uh, with Michelle McCool. Butch Reed is with Tori Wilson and Ron Simmons is with Vicky Guerrero. And I love seeing Butch Reed. That's so I'm going to interject here yeah go ahead the most memorable part of this wedding to me is the fact that butch reed is there and although it's mentioned that it is butch reed the fact that the commentators aren't making a bigger deal out of it to me is almost a like to jbl's credit he does mention doom yeah um, but like my god it's butch reed <laughs> how long has it been since he's been on wwe tv and they're just treating it like oh good friend of teddy long's like it's butch reed it's, like, butch reed. it's dude late late late, late 80s 89 maybe i'd have yeah, to look like, you know it just i mean yeah that, that part is great about this to me like the fact that I, I assume at some point Teddy Long was like, "Well, we got to have Butch Reed there if we're going to make this real." <laughs> like, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Ron Simmons is going to be part of this. You know, we got to bring, we got to bring in Butch Reed. It that, can't, that couldn't have been Vince's idea. There's no, no. no. I, I, I would, I would guess it was either Teddy or Ron. Teddy and Ron together probably said, "Hey, yeah, can we bring in Butch Reed?" Yeah. Um, then Crystal comes out and she does look stunning. She does look absolutely amazing. I think. Uh, everybody here looks good. I like the fact that they took this up seriously. Like everybody is dressed the way they should be, and kind of got- like all of the Uncle Elmer and Joyce and the Paul Vachon and Ophelia weddings from mm-hmm. old school WWF style, where they had the like people on staff there to witness it. It wasn't like some of the other weddings that yes. were famous, where it was just the ring and the audience. But yeah, this was like a whole. They tried to make this realistic, which we'll get there. But. Yeah, yeah, with, up to a point. Uh, one thing you mentioned is Crystal falls while going up the steps, and Teddy comes and helps her up. That was a botch on her part. Like I, when I was watching this, I was trying to remember. Okay, does, is that something? Does that play into something? And it didn't. I think she just tripped because of the dress and the heels. <laughs> so. Um, then we get a performance from the band Jagged Edge. They do the song yeah. Let's Get Married, which is a late night BET slow jam. Straight uh, out of the, if, if you wanted to take a trip back to the aughts. Yes. Jagged Edge, folks. You know, they were, uh, you know, every Circuit City and Best Buy probably had their CDs from time to time. But the, this song in particular got to 15 on the Hot 100 and number one, the R&B charts. And wow, you looked that up. Good for you, Leonard. I did. It went double platinum. <laughs> Because I want and and uh, Jagged Edge is from Atlanta, so that's why they are here. So it's I mean that makes sense. This band's from Atlanta. They have a song called "Let's Get Married." They're an R and B group, and you know, not to say anything. And, yeah, and you know what? Like Jagged Edge, in all all things, you know, all jokes aside, they were they were a decent group. And I usually, I like there are two types of venues or gigs that i think bands usually sound really bad in snl is one of them which could be a topic on a later date but um and wrestling events i think very rarely 
do musicians sound good in either of those types of situations? I thought Jagged Edge, the fact they were doing a slow R&B jam, sounded about as good as they could have in this case. Yes, and I think the crowd was into it. I think everybody liked it, which was good. So now this is where the wheels start to fall off. Because soon as they get done, Jillian Hall comes out. And she calls the musical performance horrendous, and then she sings. Now, her gimmick at the time was that she is just an awful singer. Right. If I remember correctly, I think this was a dig uh, on, a rumored to be a dig at Brooke Hogan, who was trying to launch a singing career. And of course, really? they're both. Yes, I remember hearing that. Because they were both blonde, big boobed, you know, similar look. I, I know I heard that somewhere. Might have been a Bruce Pritchard podcast. At least that it was mentioned and Bruce might have poo-pooed it. But I remember that being at least a rumor. Um, Hall was jumped by two of the gals and hauled off. I believe it's Candace Michelle and Eve Torres. Right. It's been a while since I've had to know my, you know, 07 ladies of, of, of SmackDown. Such a random era. Yes. Uh, so Bruce starts the ceremony, but Hornswoggle is messing with Coach outside. Vince stares him down. And a Hornswoggle chant breaks out. That's how bored they are. You're chanting for Hornswoggle. Uh, Bruce gets to the speak now forever, hold your peace part. And guess what? Triggers the Godfather, which I think is automatically standard at these weddings. That the Godfather is going to come out with some hoes. Uh, the, the, the brunette hoe in the front is, is my favorite uh, of the women that he comes out this time. Uh, Godfather calls Crystal a beautiful young lady, and she corrects him that she's a woman. Which, which, this because lady seems fine. She always called her a girl. I think that would make more sense to say, "Oh, I'm a woman." Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the females I've met, if you if you say lady or ma'am, hmm. that's a no go these days. That's no go these days. I'm, I'm too a no old for me, dog. I'm too I'm too old. I thought lady was fine. <laughs> I was being nice, polite. You're a lady. Uh, but Godfather reminds Teddy of all the good times they used to have. He admits that, but he loves Crystal, wants to spend the rest of his life with her. So Godfather says he's not mad about that and has nothing but love, but he didn't come down to the dirty south to go home alone. So uh, who wants to go with him? And Ron Simmons raises his hand, and Crystal tells, yells <laughs> at him, and he yells, Damn! <laughs> Uh, he didn't ask if anybody else wants to take a ride on the hoe train, and all the guys uh, <laughs> are watching get up and leave, including JBL. He leaves commentary and goes with him. Except, except, except for Pat Patterson. <laughs> who keeps Jerry Briscoe in his seat with him. That is, the, like, my thoughts on this segment aside, This that is one of the most subtle, funny things that WWE has ever done. Yeah, like, because if you are just a casual fan, you would have no idea why Pat Patterson is sitting there. Yeah, but for anybody in the know, it makes it funny, and especially that he's getting Gerald Briscoe to stay there. Um, that that part I liked a lot. Yes, that was nice, and it shows the friendship that he and Jerry, you know, have. They were, right. you know, the Stooges on air for a long time. But that I like that as well. So Long goes through his vows, and he messes them up pretty bad. Like, like, you know, he's supposed to be repeating what Bruce says, and he's not even close. Crystal does her vows, and then Hornswoggle breaks away, runs up into the ring under Crystal's dress. Coach follows under the dress, and then Coach and Vince chase Hornswoggle to the back. So Coach and Hornswoggle and Vince didn't go off with the hose either. Probably because they, I don't know, if they didn't think it would look proper for Vince to go on the hoe train, but... 
today. Anyway, finally, after all of that crap, they get to the I do's and Teddy Long has a heart attack and falls into a coma. Yeah. Storyline never gets resolved. Right. I don't think it ever brought up again when he comes back on air. And Crystal Marshall is let go shortly after this and winds up going to TNA where she's paired with her then boyfriend, uh, Bobby Lashley. I think they were saying they were married on air, but they weren't married yet. Yeah, so. she le- she was gone due to creative differences. Um, so yes, yeah, the old creative differences. I don't, I, so I don't know what the uh, – and again, I didn't look this up. I, I should have if there was – any you know podcasts out there talk about what the end result was going to be or if they had an end game at all with this but needless to say it didn't go absolutely anywhere yeah um you know this was fun a fun segment to watch certainly uh you know but in the realm in the you know pantheon of uh wrestling weddings this has to be near the bottom of the list <laughs> like yeah it was the thing is it wasn't over the top crazy stupid enough and it wasn't serious en- uh, enough like if you're going to say on one end like the summer slam wedding of savage and elizabeth you know that was serious done serious yeah. that was fine and then you have a lot of the really goofy crazy things that are over the top and this was too much in the middle i mean the first half of it as we said very standard with the way they set everything up who was there how they were dressed having jagged edge play all that was fine. And then you get the Jillian Hall thing, which that was never really over. I don't think Hornswoggle is ever really over. That, I mean, yeah, you know, that this era of WWE, I was not watching. I'll just say that. So, like, I've, I've seen this segment now, obviously, and I saw clips of it after the fact, you know, but the whole Hornswoggle being Vince's son thing, I know that that was a pivot. I forget who it was supposed to be. Um, Bruce Pritchard has talked about it on his podcast. Was it Ken Kennedy? That I think that was one of the names that was floated, and yeah. you know, for whatever reason, they went with Hornswoggle, and like it, that part was that was stupid to me. Um, Hornswoggle can be a funny character. Um, in this case, this has this segment has Vince written all over it because it does remind me of the Uncle Elmer and uh, and Joyce wedding. And yeah. like, there's some funny stuff that happens, but it's like very oddly serious at times and like it's like you're wondering the whole time who's clamoring to see this why are we watching it you know does anybody really care about these two people getting married <laughs> like you know it's all very odd and even like what the end game could have been i don't know that there's anything that would have made me stand up and say oh wow i wish we would have gotten to see that see what I mean, th- think about it. You're not going to have a Teddy Long versus Crystal Marshall match. Right. So and if you turn on him and like get with some other guy and or, or try to take power for herself. But at that time, Vicky was the assistant. So yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, so, so, and if she gets like, she says, I don't know, you know, who it might be. She cheats on Teddy with some other guy. Well, that guy ain't going to have a match with Teddy Long. Right. So then you wind up having Crystal as a second against Guy A with Guy A against Teddy Long as a second for Guy B. Right. Not that they haven't done that. Think about the uh, Vincent Man donald Trump match at WrestleMania. True. You know, which wound up being Lashley versus Umaga with them seconds at ringside. I don't think they would necessarily be against doing that. I just don't know who you would get to do that and how that would help anybody. And would it even be something that anybody wanted to see? Um, yeah. Probably not. Um, so yeah, I mean this, you know, 
this was uh, one of the more random things that WWE did in this era. Um, you know, I, I really feel like this period of the company was, I, I don't want to use the word worst, but it was certainly one of its more awkward periods. Awkward, directionless, maybe. Yeah. Would this still be considered the ruthless aggression era or would it be past the ruthless aggression era? I guess it would still be that era to a certain extent. I mean, I, you know, after the ruthless aggression era, you would be heading straight into the PG era. Yeah. And we're not PG yet. Yeah. So. Not, not quite there. I know maybe this was some sort of limbo middle ground. It might, it might be in reality. Yeah. We're really going to break it down. Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly this was the Cena era. Yes, definitely. Um, as far as like the headliners go, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like Teddy Long, um, Crystal. I don't have a ton of memories about Crystal other than this segment. Uh, yeah. Teddy Teddy Long is uh, is a good character, and I thought that he always was fine as a GM. Um, but yeah, this was I, I don't even know if they ever mentioned it after the fact. I don't. I don't know. I think is Chris. How did Chris and Marshall show up? Was she one of, of John Laurinaitis's lingerie models? <laughs> you might be right. Because I don't know if you know this, like, because Jim Cornette, you know, they said that John Laurinaitis used to just flip through like lingerie catalogs and would just go, "Oh, she's hot," and like find her agent. That's yeah. Wow. And, and, and that's how the Bellas. That's how the Bellas became. I think that's how the Bellas came in. And there were a few others. I think Crystal Marshall might have been. Again, I don't want to misspeak. I didn't look up everything I could about Crystal Marshall. But. Yeah, I mean, that's a stark contrast from the way JR would look for uh, talent. You know? Yes, much, much a different way. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so this was uh, certainly entertaining to watch overall. I would uh, probably not give this segment a thumbs up if we're doing the system on Ebert. Eight thumbs sideways leaning down. Yeah, I mean, just the insertion of jillian's singing is just I, I bad singing is not it's one of those things that can change the channel in my opinion like yeah. you know, there's things that get a heel response from the crowd and there's things that make the crowd say okay i don't want to watch this um and i would think that that would be one of those things like okay i'm going to turn the channel but uh who knows you know so any final thoughts leonard no, I think we've said all that can be said here. But once again, thank you, Ronnie, for the suggestion. Uh, and uh, we'll be sure to be back, you know, with another. Ronnie gives us great suggestions all the time. So that's why he gets Absolutely. named. Absolutely. Check out our other videos, our stupid questions, our random match reviews, our full-length episodes. And uh, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. For Leonard, my name is Chad, and we will see you next time.